Hi, this is Swapna. And this is Ray. And this is the Dreams and Hope podcast. Welcome. Well, I'm so excited to be back on the podcast. Yes. It's our fourth podcast, I think. It's our fourth one, and I have labeled them differently. So if you look at it, it says it's number three, because the first one was a episode zero. So yes, oh. our fourth podcast but it will be labeled number three. Got it, got it. (laughs) That's just a silly thing I'm doing on the back end just for tracking purposes, so. (laughs) Thank you for doing the back end work because I think if it, I think I I really needed someone to help me with the back end as well as being a co-host. So thank you for doing that. Very welcome. um, I'm excited to be on this journey with you actually I don't know if I should let the cat out of the bag, but you told me something, I think it was Saturday we were talking about why I'm involved in this. So maybe we can explore that some other time. <laughs> I, I forget what I said. <laughs> I guess we can leave it. I guess we can leave it at that. But <laughs> uh, yeah, Swapna is using me to get her podcast out there is what it is. But no, I'm oh. just kidding. <laughs> no, I said that you were the pretty face of the venture. <laughs> <laughs> there was more detail than that, but let's just say it's, let's just say I thought we were in this for a different reason, but now I feel used. But no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, well, I think at, at the end of it, we really don't know why we are being led to do this. Right. To be honest, I'm not really sure. It just feels like the right thing to do, but I'm not really sure if I have a big plan yeah. or I have a big goal or I have a big destination in mind. Yeah. I think it's a journey and uh, as I grow older, I trust the journey more than the destination. And it's been an interesting shift for me. Like I've always been someone who was really, who was really driven by outcomes like, uh, oh, scoring X number of points in this test and scoring Y in this test and really growing up in India things were so competitive that I, I think we, I was almost primed to think of the outcome right. much more than the process. But I've always just wanted to be with the process rather than the outcome. Hmm. And I think, it, I wonder if some of it's cultural because my experience, I'm very driven. And this is a new season for me as well. We've, we've explored some of that in our, in our time together since last, last year. But um, I was very destination destination driven for so many years of my life. And then something switched to enjoy the journey. Uh, I think we should end up somewhere, but knowing where that is isn't necessarily as important as enjoying every part of the journey um, and being flexible enough to take a, a detour or a, a different path if, if you need to along the way. Um, and a lot of that is maybe Western. Maybe it's an American thing. Um, I grew up in Central America. They're a very journey driven and they don't even care where you're going they're happy to just go anywhere as long as they're having fun and stop for coffee along the way um but an american has a destination you know they want to get somewhere so they don't necessarily enjoy the journey i think there's a good mixture of the two like let's head somewhere let's enjoy the ride let's enjoy the journey 
but be flexible enough to stop and smell the roses, you know? And that's something you know, I have to work on myself. You know, I think we all have to work on, I don't think it's American versus Western versus Eastern in my head. In my head, it's more about security versus self-actualization. Uh-huh. So if you think of a person who doesn't have food and water will not really have time to smell the roses. So if you have food and water, you have shelter, you have your family that loves you unconditionally or conditionally sometimes. <laughs> and uh, then you start thinking about, okay, what's my next go- next next step in life? And I think it's just a process. That process in itself is is a stepwise process. I love the uh, I love the pyramid that uh, Maslow has uh, has created, and we can maybe put a link at uh, uh, at the end of this episode. It's called the Maslow's hierarchy of needs, and it's a super cute, super interesting one minute uh, uh, blurb on it where you start with your basic needs, you get them met, and before you get your basic needs met, you cannot really go on to the next step. So I was always process driven. Because I think I had the luxury of being process driven. I was smart enough that I did not need to worry that I would fail a grade or uh, I would not be getting good good marks in my exams. But all Indian parents are extremely, extremely focused on academics because that is a secure way to make sure you do well in life. Like women are mostly smart women are mostly encouraged to become physicians because that's a softer field for women and uh, boys are encouraged to be engineers because that came with a huge job security so 99% of the generation that i was in was striving towards this outcome yeah so but do you think like, that the, I think it's probably worked like as a whole, the society in India has probably worked for there to be that driven nature. Um, when it, when you talk about poverty or you talk about insecurity, uh, whether it's financial or relational, it probably over as a whole has worked. And maybe, maybe now that the country or maybe the culture is on the other side, experiencing the, the downfall of security and drivenness. Because uh, you have to get from, because I think the hard part of the conversation is, this is from my experience, you have people that are in a poverty situation, there's no security, they're just living day to day for food. And they say, well, you can't understand my situation because you don't experience this. So they've gone through education, they've gone through drivenness to to get a good job and, and be financially secure. Well, then the other side is the depression, anxiety, the the, the part of affluence that that you're not prepared for, especially when you have no generational experience that way. Um, but I wonder if a lot of it in India has worked to get a lot of people out of poverty, you know? Um, a, a lot. I think, you know, we are so big. India is such a big nation uh-huh. that people that are in poverty still are, is a huge number. So yeah. I don't think we have worked ourselves out of poverty, but we are middle class is expanding and I think it's because of this driven, focused nature. For example, when I was growing up, this there was a huge campaign to just have two kids so that you could actually focus on them. Then yeah. there was also a campaign to value girl child because girl children meant 
responsibility and burden because you had to like have a dowry to marry them mm-hmm. and so traditionally having a girl child meant actually having it was almost a liability to have a girl child so mm-hmm. i think my generation was the generation in which the focus was much more on a family small family unit education it was like the something like uh, us two and our two uh in hindi so it was it sounds way better in in my home language but it's like the partners like mom and dad and then two kids that was like the the standard family and very few very few people that i know actually have more than two kids it's almost an exception that's interesting yeah. and when did that change in history was that just your generation like previous just like my generation parents? So your parents a huge public uh, public campaign public information campaign and it's interesting how things change change and shifted i think also being committed to a smaller family makes resources for each child more right right so i think it's practically feasible to have a smaller family yeah and and not to get into any kind of like um you know which culture has it put together but i've done some research on uh japanese uh culture and the focus has shifted from big families to two to one and now they're not even there's there's not enough babies to keep the population alive uh like there's a actual end date to the japanese culture because there's more japanese people in in adult diapers than baby diapers um and so it's kind of a shifting like that's what i'm talking about as far as the the other side of what you're striving for um is not what you expect you know it's not something that you saw coming and i kind of wonder if that's part of drivenness you know when we started talking about drivenness and as far as like the journey versus the destination um it, it's like it's like we don't expect you you don't expect to be driven and being unhappy you don't expect to have a destination in mind and not really enjoying the journey um but then along the way you kind of wake up and you say wow there must be more to life than this that's so interesting i i don't know it's been a it's to be honest it, i'm just thinking of what happened this week and uh, we we are, our kids are quite active and i like that and uh, they play lots of sports and some they win some they lose and we had a loss that uh, was really hard on 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 my child and on the entire team mm. th- this week and it was we were having an amazing season and yet uh, when it came to the play when, when it came to the playoff we were expecting to win the first game maybe beat the second team and then the third game was kind of up in there we lost the first game and it was so heartbreaking because we we had an amazing amazing season all along and when it came to that particular evening i don't know everyone i i think the children were maybe nervous i'm not really sure what happened for sure samay said he was nervous and uh, i don't know it just somehow don't know what happened we can wow. all of course we we had heavily blamed factors external to us like <laughs> some yeah. of the calls that were made of course of course uh, and uh, <laughs> and the, some <laughs> of the some of the strategies that were used by the other team uh, 
right. there were so many problems that were outside of us. But I, I, I have been thinking about it and I've been uh, just uh, reflecting on on whether one, how one should like think about it and frame it for oneself right. as a as a person, as a team member, as a coach, because everyone worked super hard and they like just put their heart in it for like three months and to have an outcome that's mm. not what you want after seemingly having done everything right is right. kind of frustrating. Yeah, and that's the unmet expectation. That, that's probably the hardest thing to overcome relation, relationally, but also vocationally, and then also with sports. Like, why do you get into sports? And I know some people don't get in it to win, but if you're in, if you're competitive, you want to win. And well, you want to do your best. Right. And if right. you do your best, and if the team does their best, they have a good chance of winning. Right. Unless they are competing against Olympic athletes. Right. Which means they are like not in the same. They're not the right category, right? Yes. But it's hard. It is hard to deal with disappointment. Um, and if you don't learn it as a kid, then disappointment is crushing as an adult. And I, and I wonder if some of our drivenness and also some of our opportunity and affluence has caused us to put our kids in a situation to where they're not experiencing loss or the loss of expectation or disappointment. And then when it happens, it's very, very traumatic, you know, because they're expected to win. Um, and sports is maybe a microcosm of it. I think athletics, depending on why you get into it, you know, whether it's just to be active or if it's to be the best, you know, um, those are all different. <laughs> those are all different approaches to why you get into sports and athletics. Um, but I, I think in our country, man, sports is such a big thing and it's hard to lose. It really is it's so hard to lose, especially when you get that far into it and you're actually, you can see the end, you know, you can see the, the prize. You weren't even thinking about the last game you were thinking about oh the middle game is going to be the hard one <laughs> and it was the first one that took you out and that's that's really hard that's hard to get over that um loss of expectation yeah appointment it, so it was it, it was hard but it was also interesting to see it was just crushing you know the if we would have won the team spirit would have been quite uh, like it, it's easier to be a team when you're winning it's harder to be a team when you're losing. Yeah, for sure. So it's it's it was kind of interesting to just be part of a process, and I was pretty upset. So I get uh, I get pretty involved, and uh, I am not on the no way, side. no way. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not on the sidelines. So I'm screaming. Usually uh, positive things. I, actually, I never scream <laughs> negative things because that's pointless. I know that. Right. So I'm. I was not complaining much, but I was trying to like cheer, and I'm pretty loud when I can't want to be. <laughs> so I was. Uh, I I was all in. I'm usually all in for each one of my children's activities. Yeah. So if they don't do well, I have to like give a pep talk to myself. <laughs> right, right. Well, and I wonder, you hit on something interesting. I wonder if when we look at loss or disappointment or or maybe a failure, you know, maybe this is not a failure. This is just simply a loss. If the common denominator over and over again, the way I react, you know, the way I react to the loss, if it's always someone else's fault, then there's probably some problem right here with me. You know, I need to look in the mirror and say, okay, so why... 
is this so devastating to me? And you weren't even playing the sport, but you were totally invested. Um, like you could see yourself in the finals. So it's like if, and I, and maybe you responded perfectly this time, and maybe it's just like analyzing and like looking at yourself and say, why? But I wonder if people that are always blaming circumstances and situations and other people, and instead of looking at themselves, maybe the problem is us. You know, I, uh, I think, uh, I'm going to like think of a triangle in my head, mm-hmm. which is a very standard triangle that we that we think of. The triangle, one side is victim. The second side is kind of the aggressor or the person who is doing something bad. And the third side is a rescuer who's mm. the angel or the person. So I think... If you get into this triangle of I am the victim of bad ref refing, or I'm the vi- victim of uh, cheating by the other team, then you are a victim. Right. And there is an aggressor, and you you have given away your power mm-hmm. to the other team, or to the circumstances, or to the weather, or to the evening air or to fatigue or to god <laughs> like you'll always find something you can always say that the gods were angry today <laughs> <laughs> the soccer it was a soccer right soccer was the sport no, this was flag football oh so football it was evil, okay. even so it was more... the evil gods of the football you know <laughs> so they were not supporting our team that day that is the only reason we lost <laughs> oh, that's funny yeah that's good so but the, but the interesting thing is i think if you give away your power then yeah. what option do you have other than complain yeah so so you talked about victim and i think that is a prevalent mindset but what about the other two the rescuer and the aggressor what's what's the mindset that it takes to be in that and then what's the path out so you are in my occupational hazard as being the rescuer yeah because uh, it feels good to rescue people right. when you want to do good in life we have been told to do good in life and so rescuing sometimes can feel good but can actually worsen this dynamic of there cannot be a aggressor and a victim without a rescuer so this dynamic mm. is not a easy one to get out of mm. so i often see see people stuck in the dynamic and i often feel like i can uh, i i can be the rescuer often if, for sure for my children i feel like i should just bubble wrap their life and rescue the shit out of them yeah but yeah. Uh, but mm. it doesn't really work mm. wow so what's the so so what's the aggressor's role in that like so you said the victim gives away power um, the rescuer, it feels good and it actually perpetuates the, probably the other two dynamics that be, so with an aggressor and a victim, there's gotta be a rescuer. So what's the, what's the aggressor's role in this triangle? Well, aggressor is the one who the victim feels is responsible for whatever challenges they have. The aggressor may or may not be at fault. For example, that may or may not have called bad calls. 
uh, I'm still not. So in this that. situation, the, the aggressor is the ref. Let's That's say. True. Actually, I, I feel bad calling refs aggressors <laughs> because they, they are so sweet. They are little kids themselves. They are they are like. They're just the victims. That's all. They're just the victims. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I think they can be victims of parents who are powerful. So powerful par- right. parents are. Sometimes more- the parents are the aggressors. Because pa- parents have way more power. They are adults. They have done this for a while. They are right. heavily invested in their child's beautiful pro careers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. They so, see scholarships in the future is what it is. <laughs> I, yeah. Or, or just, you know, fame and name. Yeah. If your child is uh, amazing, you are. It's like the best certificate to have in life. Yeah. So, if okay, so thinking about this idea of the aggressor, the victim, and the rescuer, is there an alternate? Is there another option? I don't know. Uh, if the word witness comes to mind, just okay. being a witness. And okay. yeah. uh, sometimes if you think of a point in the middle of the triangle where you are a witness, but not actively trying to help the victim, mm-hmm. not actively trying to fight with the aggressor mm-hmm. i think you might be more of a witness and we have talked about being a witness right last time yeah what's the time. hardest what's the hardest one to actually acknowledge like recognize like if we find ourselves in one of those categories what's the hardest one to recognize that we are that a rescuer that's the hardest one I don't know. I'm really well. It's because sure. there, there's some there's some situations that you can't just be a witness. You got to be a rescuer. You got to step in. And there's some situations that you are a victim, and you need to take back that power. Um, the aggressor. I'm not sure that one's kind of that seems to be the the dark side of the triangle. You know, that seems to be the bad one. But I think all of us have a tendency, especially like you said, parents that kind of overcome. Like if they go start yelling at the coach and start yelling at the ref and start yelling at the kids and the fans on the other side of the team, the other team. That's an aggressor that should be stopped. You know, someone needs to step in and stop them. Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. So, but if everything, is, everyone's doing everything within reasonable bounds, I think right. being a witness is better than going and taking out your gun. <laughs> <laughs> That's never an option. That's never okay. <laughs> That's not really okay to yeah. take the power back. Uh, Violently, yeah, that's no good. That's no, no I good. think violence uh, is not really a solution for flag football, for sure. <laughs> Definitely not flag football. <laughs> you just pull the flags. You don't even tackle. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You just strip the flag, and that's it. Yeah, that's it. Um, well, I think this is a this is what happens in life, and I think the journey versus destination plays right into this because if you're playing one of those roles, your journey will be different, or your destination will be different. So, for example, if I have a destination in mind. And I want to get there no matter, and I'm driven to get there, I will probably more be more aggressive and be the aggressor most of the time because I'm just stepping over people to get there and I don't care who's in the way. Um, but if I'm only looking at it as a journey and I don't have a destination, I might not just be a victim all day long and it's everybody's fault that I'm not moving down the road. You know, I have no power. Um, so it's all, it's, it's definitely plays into it. And I wonder if all I those. I loved how you said it. Life. Hold on. You said something brilliant because you took something that we were talking about earlier. So you connected two different concepts of the journey and destination versus the powerlessness that comes from being a victim and Mm -hmm. the power that comes from having a focused 
like being focused and being driven and being having grit and having goals and having a checklist and having right a perfectionistic tendency towards so so those are actually interesting concepts that we have linked as we talked well it's and a shadow that, side as we're walking through life we all the, every good thing has possibly a shadow that's not good being driven is good but what's the temptation along the way so say more about the shadow side well okay so drivenness for example no uh, no just how yeah, do so you pick that word right now? well the reason that i was thinking shadow is because there is darkness in all of our good intentions um i think we can even a rescue i i i'd say i want to help someone well then it becomes the shadow side would be more about me than about the person i'm rescuing because i want to feel good so you said the rescuer wants to it feels good um, but then we end up perpetuating a situation instead of solving anything. Um, so there's, I think there's this shadow or a darkness to everything that we, that we have or that we, that we pursue. So the, the temptation would be, okay, so if I'm, if I'm going to make this goal or if I'm going to get to this destination, it doesn't matter who I hurt to get there as long as I get there. So that's a darkness, you know? Um, so how can you be driven and a, and a hard worker? without abusing people as an aggressor. I think that's an important quality for a leader uh-huh. to to be a leader that lets others thrive and maybe even the team like team before yourself or I don't know servant leadership is something that I've uh, kind of uh, looked into um, there yeah. is an amazing book that I've read and the 10 steps to it I may have to like get it from my bookshelf to remind me the name because sometimes as I'm growing old, the names escape me. Yeah. <laughs> I think you hit it right. I mean, I think, yeah, there you go. Older, not old, older, um, more mature and more sophisticated. Along the <laughs> yes, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, the servant leader concept is such a powerful one and it's so counterintuitive because I think we... For example, in the in the in the example of being driven, we think that to be on top is to be on top and then everybody else serves me and everyone else is below me. But a servant leader flips it upside down and everyone's on top of me. So that triangle with the the same triangle that you put together about the aggressor, victim and and rescuer, we could say a servant leader has the same triangle. And if I'm going to be the top dog, I'll sit on the top of the triangle. But if I'm going to be a servant leader, we'll flip the triangle upside down and I'll actually be on the bottom lifting everybody else up. I don't think bottom is a good place for anyone. So well, we can always visual, visually <laughs> true, true, true. But, you know, it's a win win situation. Like think of two people arm wrestling. And if you're trying to win, a win win situation would be both of them winning, like in the um, middle. Not one down. That's not, that's no competition. What are you talking about? (laughs) Well, the competition is then against. I don't think they are wrestle. (laughs) The competition is against the other who are not wrestling with you. Oh, okay. Okay. So you both win, tie. Man, that's no fun. Well, okay. (laughs) It's more like a seesaw though. So a seesaw, you got to go up and down, but when you're both level, you're balancing each other out. Yes. That's a win-win. If you have too much weight, and then you're going to be either on the bottom or top, you know? Yes. So, so yeah, seesaw maybe is a better one, but I'm thinking about like, like Jesus is a good example of a servant leader because he took the burdens of everyone and he carried them, but he wasn't a victim. 
you know, he chose it. And so a servant leader is someone that actually can see the needs of his team and pick up the burdens in order for his team to thrive and be successful. I know it's a lonely position, I think. I agree. Because it's, uh, it's holding a lot of, lot of things that are, that do not belong to you Hmm. inside yourself. So I don't even know, like when you are in a relationship with the other person, it's hard to know where you start and where you end. And so as a leader, when you are in a relationship with a with a team of people, then it's sometimes hard to know, is this your insecurity or is this X, Y, Z's insecurity that you're you're carrying, but you you end up carrying everyone's pain and everyone's struggles because as a leader... You cannot just say, hey, your problem is your problem, but our win is our win. Wow. So, so the problems and the wins have to be ours. Wow. So when when in that specific scenario... Okay, hold on. What what were you impressed with in this statement? Just that the, the win is the win and the problems, the pro- like ours. It's both ours. It's not shifting the blame around, but it's corporately or, or the teams together. So Saturday's example of your your of the flag football, it it could be circumstantial, it could be weather, it could be whatever, but the team carried the weight of the loss, not one person. So it wasn't like one person missed. It was just the team carried it. Now it would be easy to single out one player and say, well, it's because of him that we lost. But that's not how a team functions. Or I could say my child was the star. Yeah. <laughs> If he would have been playing alone, he would have won. Yeah. What is up with this? No. But that's what I'm saying is like, so the team, the relationship is it's us, not you or me, but it's us. Yeah. I think the team is bigger than the person. And that's what I feel is something to learn as you, as you live, because it's easier, so much easier to just be yourself, just to be by yourself. Yeah. But, but I felt that it doesn't make sense to living is being with others. Yeah. You you could do, do your own stuff in a cave, produce beautiful paintings, but uh, you are people doing will it. In, well, that people will enjoy when you die. <laughs> yes. And like then the, you don't get to enjoy it in your life. Well, you the, the process was enjoyable for you. You yeah. never meant to really share it with others. But then I think living is a communal affair. Hmm. Yeah, I agree with that. Well, and that, that goes perfectly into the, the journey versus destination, because if we are married, if we have kids, if we're working, if we have goals and we don't ever stop to enjoy it with our, with our friends and family, we may ex- accomplish all sorts of good things but if we're never with people that can enjoy it or make a significant difference in someone's life, it's pretty, pretty lonely and hollow. You know, it's, it's, it doesn't quite fulfill. And I think humans were meant to do life in community with one another. And our temptation is to do it alone because we get tired of people. You know, we get tired of working and tired of, being a rescuer or tired of being a victim or we get tired of it. And so the easiest thing would be just to walk away from everybody. And I know people like that. I actually, I have people in my life like that and I'm always trying to pull them back in. Maybe I'm trying to rescue them. I don't know, but I'm trying to pull them back in to the conversation, you know what I'm saying? Through the, through, through to life really. 
I agree. I agree. Interesting. Well, the one thing I think was thinking about the uh, the leader, the servant leader, for example, you know, if you think about it, the seesaw is better because then <laughs> it's even. But a servant leader, uh, typically someone that's on top and it's a triangle, like you're working up the food chain, you get on top, then all the stuff kind of flows down to the lesser on the team. So if I'm the top of the team and you're under me, then you're going to get all the crap. Well, if a servant leader flips it upside down, then the leader gets all the crap and the team gets to flourish. And that's a, it's a different kind of approach to, you know, the hard things should come to the leader and that's the leader picking up the burden. And that's why it's hard to find a leader that will be a servant leader because that's a counterintuitive, you know, we shouldn't have to take all the crap. True. And I think sometimes goal-driven people want to be leaders because leadership comes with power yeah. and lots of power comes with lots of responsibility. So power and responsibility walk together. I think power, responsibility, and burden walk together. Mm. Yeah, that's true. Well, I, I have a question for you kind of on this leadership topic. What Do you think that everyone can be a leader or do you think there are leaders that are born? I think everyone can be a leader. I don't think leaders are born. I think some people are temperamentally more... So I feel some cultures value some qualities more. For example, our culture values tall men. So many people in leadership are tall men. Interesting. So it's very implicit, some of the things that the culture, the society values. Hmm. Uh, People value pretty or beautiful people. So sometimes they have a, there is something called beauty bias. Like if you're beautiful or pretty people think you're smart which is Mm. not really true not true (laughs) usually not true (laughs) i mean it could be like people for for sure when you're good looking you have natural advantage and when you have a natural advantage when you're born with a natural advantage you can take it further it's like being born with a pot of money so you can you have some like automatic currency something like that but you can misuse it You can gamble it away. Or Or you can manipulate it and use people. You can do a lot of things with the pot of gold that you're born with. So. But you think someone that doesn't have, see, because I don't even know, like identifying specifically what a leader is specifically, like why people would follow someone or why someone would listen to someone, whatever those qualities are, you think, you think anybody and everybody can learn that or, or become that? I think authentic Leadership is what is probably a real kind of leadership. And I think most people can become authentic. I think they are true to themselves in their own mind. They are true Mm -hmm. to themselves with their few friends. Mm -hmm. And uh, are we talking influence or are we talking leader? Because I think they're two different. I'm not talking either. I'm talking about just being authentic. I think being an authentic person makes you makes it much more likely that you would be a good leader because uh-huh. you would listen and you would not just be there for yourself but also for the bigger purpose i don't but know. being authentic I, doesn't necessarily make you a leader i'm just trying to figure it out cuz i i have i've gone back and forth with this my whole life cuz there was a when i was younger there was a season where everyone that was older than me said, everyone's a leader. You guys are leaders. And then the older I got, I realized some people just weren't leaders. You know, there's just some people that just didn't have either the desire or the ability or the gifting to be a leader. 
And then there are others that were, and it almost seemed that it was a genetic, not a genetic thing, but more of a born with thing. But then I've seen leaders come out of crisis that weren't necessarily born that way, but, be, but a crisis kind of pushed them into some kind of leadership, you know, like a, a, a position where people actually followed them. So I guess we so have to define me, what a leader is. Yeah, I think that's too broad. But let me start with maybe hero is an easier concept to understand, yeah. like an everyday hero. So yeah. I work with parents who are everyday heroes. Yeah. They deal with special needs children and I would lose all my, if I was their mother, even being trained and all of that. So I feel like the people that I work with are everyday heroes and no one's recognizing them. No one's giving them Nobel prizes. No one is saying, wow, amazing job. If they, if they are able to really just help the child, that is all they are asking for in life. And so yeah. that to me is the real hero. Yeah, that's the unsung hero. And without that, society wouldn't work. And I and I I totally recognize that. And I think maybe that's why I'm talking about something different. I'm talking about more of the visual leading the way, leading the charge leader, you know, like someone that's actually in front that people would follow. I don't know if I know no, I, I don't know if I have any good thoughts today about big big leadership and definition and all of that. I'm just curious if you think someone's born that way or if it's just something they manipulated into being, you know? Like, can anybody do that? Or is it specifically... I think most start? anybody can do that. And hmm. I think you just have to be... I don't know. We can one day sit and talk about the qualities. Mm -hmm. But some people have an easier time being a leader than others. Right. And the reason I'm talking about this is because of the tie to destination and journey. Some people you would look at and you'd say, well, they're just lazy. That's why they're not going anywhere. But truly, they're just enjoying the everyday life of the journey of life. And then other people, you say, man, that person's just a perfectionist. They just can't ever sit still. They can't rest. And they're just highly driven to get to the you know, destination. And so it's like the reason leadership comes into that is because leaders influence most of the time, good or bad. Um, and then leaders can speak into a situation that most people wouldn't, you know, they, they couldn't. Um, and then people would listen to them. Uh, so it could be, we, we've seen it in the last couple of years with, with COVID. Um, it was really hard, especially in America, for anyone to listen to anyone that was even an expert <laughs> because it was like, we didn't trust it. We didn't trust the leadership. And so if we didn't trust the leadership, it was hard to actually listen to, to truth and facts. And I, and I, that's where I'm, that's kind of where I'm, I'm going with, you know, why would anybody listen to anyone? Um, could, could everyone get to the point where you become a leader that people listen to, or is it just not possible? I think we need to find a real reader and bring him on our podcast. Okay. <laughs> because we, you and I cannot answer this question. So we need to find a real leader and I have a couple of real re leaders who are who are uh, known to me and I'm going to ask them okay that'd be good so it'd be interesting should. and I'm wondering if the awareness is there and I think maybe it's awareness like do, that's why I asked you the question about how do you how are you aware what's the hardest one in that aggressor victim rescuer what's the hardest one to recognize it's because awareness is a big part of you know life and I wonder if we're such in a pursuit of you know, like I think, success, uh, security that we don't. 
we're not for aware. an aggressor i think for an aggressor it might be hard because they might be doing it for the right reasons i feel sometimes i'm often an aggressor at home with my children when i'm screaming at them telling them to pick up their laundry or that they did not do the dishes today or something like that i am for sure an aggressor but i have good intentions i just want them to be reasonable human beings right 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 it's a, yeah. it's a good intention it is so my good <laughs> good intention does not always mean that i am not the aggressor that's good yeah that's a good that's a good uh perspective um and i don't i think that's the biggest struggle like with with kids we we both have kids that are kind of in the you know preteen to teen range mm -hmm. and it's almost like, oh man, can I go back again and start over? Because some of this stuff I, I messed up on. I'm know? not starting over. <laughs> I don't want to start over. I want to start over. As good as it gets. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I just, you know, some of the things that I experienced, I'm like, oh, I don't want my kids to experience that. Well, then you go a different direction. You're like, whoops, I might have, maybe what I experienced isn't so bad, you know? So <laughs> it's just, it's just like not wanting to mess up our little humans, you know? <laughs> I know that we are burdened and with because we are the leader in i mean we are the leader of our family of our parents home, are the yeah. leaders right and if we mess that up then what else do we have <laughs> yeah that's our legacy that we're leaving behind good or bad yes <laughs> if, if we fail in our legacy <laughs> yeah that's good that's it's good. a big big deal yeah well this was a lot of fun I, I enjoy the the journey and the conversation and i think this journey like we started talking about in this episode is the is the enjoyment and i think maybe for both of us this is this is a realization that um drivenness doesn't always help with journey and actually being aware that you're on a journey that you actually can enjoy little things like this and conversations like this and stop in the valley of flowers like you talked about year you know uh, last year that year is ago, something... right? we met a year ago ray can you believe it is it almost oh man what in the world yeah we're, al we're almost i think it's next month we're getting close we're getting close <laughs> But that's crazy. But I think that's the the part of the journey that I have been, even though in my head I want to be on a journey, I've been so driven that I've not stopped to enjoy the journey. And 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 you kind of coming into my life has actually helped me slow down and understand and, and enjoy the journey. I'm so, the reminder. I'm holding the Valley of Flowers card for you. That's right. <laughs> that was almost one of our first conversations up on that rock. So I mean, that's it's really for sure. Really, for sure. Really good. So. Well, this has been great. Uh, go ahead. Thank you so much for walking, walking together for 42 minutes and 45 seconds. <laughs> yes. Let's pause for today and we will pick up soon. Awesome. Thank you. Bye. Bye.